This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. Bibles, we're going to go to John chapter 20, verse 7. John chapter 20, verse 7. This is what the Bible says. It says, And the napkin that was about his head, not lined with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. I want to talk to you about what do we do while we wait for Jesus to come back. For five weeks, I've been preaching about eschatology. That's just a big word for the end times. I've been talking about the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. And by the way, folks, he is coming back. Jesus is coming back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says this. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And he said, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus even said these words in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I'm going to come again. I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Understand something. 21 times. If Jesus said something once, folks, it's powerful. But 21 times Jesus said these words. He said, I'm coming back. 21 times I'm coming back. Now, not only did he say it directly, but, folks, he said it indirectly. The Bible was written by a bunch of Jewish men. They were inspired by God, but they were Jewish men. And if you understand anything about Jewish tradition, if a, if a Jew's having a meal and they uh, are finished with the meal, they'll do this. They'll take the napkin, they'll wad it up, and they'll put it in the middle of the plate. That is to say... I'm finished with the meal. But perhaps they're not totally finished with the meal, and they've been called away from the table. They would do something also. They would take the napkin, and they would neatly fold the napkin. And after the napkin was neatly folded, they would place it in the corner of the plate. That is to say, if the waiter comes by, don't take my plate because I'm coming back. There was a reason why the napkin that was around Jesus' head was separated from the grave clothes in the corner, neatly wrapped by itself because the message was, I'm coming back. The, the message for us today is Jesus Christ ladies and gentlemen, is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. But what are we doing 
What are we doing in the meantime? I heard about a man who was going through his deceased father's things. And this man found a 25-year-old claim stub for shoe repair. Curious, he went to the store and handed the ticket to the owner who headed to the back of the store before reappearing. Good news, he said. I found them, and they'll be ready next Friday. <laughs> now, I believe many times the church is like that guy. I believe many times we're not doing what we ought to be doing. D.L. Moody said if the church really knew the truth concerning the coming of Christ, nothing could wake the church up so much. I began to think about, in the meantime, we're waiting on Jesus to come back. What should we be doing? And let me give you five or six things, not that I say, but five or six things that the Bible says that we ought to be doing in the meantime. The first thing the Bible says that we ought to be doing in the meantime is we ought to refrain from judging. We ought to refrain from judging. Look what the Scripture says. Therefore, judge nothing before the time. Wait. Until the Lord come, who will both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. What's that? Now, now don't get quiet on me. <laughs> what does that scripture say? It says, don't you worry about judging. Because when I come back, I'll make everything right. And I know the hearts of individuals anyway. And it's not your responsibility to judge other people. It's not your responsibility to worry about brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. But you know, people have always had that propensity even in biblical times because look what the Bible says. Then Peter turning about, <laughs> see if the disciple whom Jesus loved following. Now keep in mind, this is from the book of John, and John referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Peter looks over there and says, hey, Jesus, this guy John, he's just leaning on your breast. Shouldn't he be doing something? Shouldn't he be doing something other than leaning on your breast? And look what Jesus said. <laughs> if I want him to lean on my breast till I come back. By the way, Pete, what is that to you? Follow thou me. Now, here's a, here's a Tennessee analogy. Pete, 
Don't you worry about the mule. You just load the wagon. And folks, we get in trouble when we're worrying about somebody else. See, I am convinced, folks, even when somebody has a failure in their life, and by the way, the best of men are just men at best. And when somebody has a failure in their lives, ladies and gentlemen, it's still not our place to judge them. That's God's place. He'll judge them. He'll settle the score. I love what F.B. Meyer said. He said, the reason why we shouldn't judge people, we don't know how hard they tried not to sin. Are you okay? We don't know how hard they tried not to sin. You say, well, Pastor Benny, I'm, I'm living above sin. You must have rented a room above a bar. <laughs> Number two, he said, we don't know the power of the forces that have assailed him or her. Number three, we don't know what we would have done under the same circumstances. I'm convinced many times we don't understand the full picture. It was spring break, and an old Tennessee boy went down to Florida for spring break. Those Ivy League schools were down there. He saw a beautiful girl, that old Tennessee boy from the hills. He walked up to that beautiful girl, and he said to her, where do you go to school? She said, Yale. He said, where do you go to school? <laughs> One night, Barbara and I were in a Chick-fil-A. Um, I don't know what it is. It's just a phobia. I always want to be where I can see everything. I want my back to the wall where I can see out. I don't know what that's about, but anyway. But I'm looking over the restaurant, and I see a man over there. I knew he had lost his wife. He was a preacher. He had lost his wife not many days before. And he was with this attractive young woman, smiling like a mule-eating briars. I thought, my God, she's not even cold in the ground. And you're smiling so big you could get a clothes hanger in your mouth. Young thing. Oh, my goodness. I mean, my, my, man, you know, man gets 40 years old. I need a, I need me two 20s. You're not wired for a 220, amen? <laughs> but I thought, my goodness. And I looked and he went. I went. I said, Barbara, the nerve of that guy. Five minutes passed. Lo and behold, I said, Barbara, he's approaching our table. <laughs> I said, what audacity. I've given him all kind of cold shoulder, and he's coming over here. A preacher of all things. And he walks up, and he says, Pastor Benny, so good to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he said, Pastor have you met my daughter? Oh, mercy. Now, I want to ask you something, folks. His wife had died. If he was with a young lady, it wasn't none of my business anyway. There 
was nothing wrong. Whatever he was doing, it wasn't my place. Folks, let me tell you something. There's so much bad in the best of us, and there's so much good in the worst of us, it hardly behooves any of us to speak against the rest of us. I mean, folks, who are we to judge anybody? The Bible says, who are we to judge another man's servant? That's not our place. I, I, I'm on move, but Billy Graham, Billy Graham, I may not get past point one, but Billy Graham's daughter said to him, Daddy, I can't believe you're praying at that man's inauguration. I can't believe you're praying at his inauguration. Billy Graham looked at that daughter and said, You listen to me. It's God's job to judge him. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict him. It's my job to love him. It's my job to love him. And let me tell you something, folks. If we're judging them, we're not loving them. We can't love them when we're judging them. And somebody ought to say amen right there. So in the meantime, refrain from judging. But in the meantime, remind yourself of God's faithfulness. <laughs> In the meantime, remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Do you know what, where, where I really got this from? For every one time that the Bible said that baby Jesus was going to come in Bethlehem, eight times it says he's coming back the second time. See, God's faithful, folks. <laughs> he's going to do what he said he was going to do. And you know what the... what. What the coming of Christ ought to remind us is that God is faithful. God is faithful, and God is going to see us through. One of the greatest attributes I know about God is just he's faithful. Just he's faithful. Do you know the Bible says that God is faithful when I'm not faithful? That he's faithful to us, that he's going to see us through, that we went through the fire and we went through the water, but the Lord brought us out. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but I'll tell you this, God's going to see you through it because God is faithful. God is faithful. You know, I wish you could be at my house sometimes. Uh, I sing duets. And I sing duets with a lady named Alexa. And sometimes, sometimes this week, Alexa and I have been doing this. We've been doing walking around these walls. I thought by now they'd fall, but you've never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come, knowing the battle's won, but you've never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. Oh, no, I'm not. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. I've seen you move. I've seen you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. Why, well, you made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. Oh, folks, he's a faithful God. In the meantime, there's a third thing that we ought to do. We ought to remember the Lord's table. The Bible says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. 
until he come. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're celebrating that Jesus is coming back. There's a fourth thing we ought to do in the meantime. We ought to restore the bereaved. The Thessalonians were discouraged. <laughs> they had lost friends and family members. And they thought, is this the end? And look what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. <laughs> I don't want you to be ignorant or unlearned concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. He said, don't you worry about those that have passed. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to give an explanation. I'm going to move to the next point. People say, Pastor, when my loved one dies, what happens? Get this down. When your loved one dies, that body will go back to the dust of the ground, whether it's cremated I got more questions about death than anything else, I believe, concerning you asked for it. But that body will go back to the dust of the ground. But that soul and spirit goes to be with the Lord. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, you say, now, what, what kind of body? So, Pastor Benny, the soul and spirit is with the Lord. Is that soul and spirit housed in a body right now? It's housed in a temporary body. You say, how can you prove that? If you read Matthew chapter 17, where Jesus was transfigured, and there appears Moses and Elijah, Peter recognized them. That let me know they had to be in a body. So there's a temporary body. Your loved one that's gone to heaven, their soul and spirit's there in a temporary body. But when Jesus Christ comes back, <laughs> those that are in heaven... That soul and spirit's going to come back with Jesus Christ. And that resurrected, glorified body's going to come up out of the ground. And that resurrected body's going to meet that soul and spirit in the air forever to be with the Lord. And corruption's going to put on incorruption, and mortality's going to put on immortality. I want you to understand, folks, if you know Christ, death's not the end. It's just the beginning. <laughs> Why, it pays to live for God and the retirement plans out of this world. Amen? Number five, refuse to neglect church. Refuse to neglect church. Where do you get that from? Hebrews 10 and 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. What's that saying? You ought to come together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And what that means, folks, when we come together, we come together to encourage one another. We come together to lift one another up. We come together to pray for one another. We come together because we need one another. This whole deal about you don't need a church, I've got a Greek word for that, baloney. We all need church. We all need one another. We all need people. And when people are going through hard times, somebody says, I'll see people in Wally World sometime, and they'll kind of dodge me. They'll say, we've just been missing a lot because we're having hard times. Well, folks, the hard times is when we need church the most. It's when we need the Lord the most. So much more as you see the day approaching. I don't mean this wrong, folks. 
But if you can't take an hour of church a week, you're sure not ready for heaven. And by the way, why do you want to go anyway? Because we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now I'm going to give you the last point and I'm done. There's one other thing that we ought to do. We ought to reach the loss through prayer and participation. We ought to reach the lost through prayer and participation. Everybody has got somebody that you ought to be reaching. That's why God has left us here is to reach other people. My mother and sister and I lived in the back of a tavern. We ran it. We sold whiskey illegally. And there was a preacher by the name of Clayton Jones that would come by where we lived. He would stop. Never drank anything. I still, to this day, don't know why he did it. But he would come by our house and he would say to my mother, I want you to know, Melba, we'd love to have you and Benny and Rhonda down at church. I've never gotten over that. I called him this morning on my way to church because I've never gotten over it. Why would he show interest in us? Tell you what Barbara and I have been doing. I went and got this candy, peanut butter egg, Snickers. I was afraid that those Snickers might might be old, so I sampled 10 of them. And what we've been doing We've been taking these eggs and we've been saying, we want to egg you. I'd like for you to come to church. I tell my staff, it's not enough that you lead worship. It's not enough that you teach Sunday school. It's not enough that you're executive pastor. It's not enough if you're children's pastor. Every one of us ought to be personal. Or to be personal. Six o'clock yesterday, I'm in a convenience store and go up to a young girl and I said can, can I put flowers up in your store she said sure and I said before I go uh, do you have a church she said no but I'm hunting a place that I could take my children for Easter I said your hunt's over it's Rock Springs Church I want to invite you don't ask you something, folks. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm almost done. Jesus comes along and basically says, follow me. Follow me. In John chapter 1, verse 41, he goes up and he finds this guy, Andrew, and he says, Andrew, follow me. Come on, Andrew. Come on, Andy. And every Andy's got a Barney, Amen. And Andrew said, I've got a brother, Pete. Pete's not in church. And he goes and gets Peter. And 
this other guy, Philip. And Philip follows him. And Philip says, I got to go get my friend Nathaniel. I got to get him. I just want to ask y'all something. How much training did those guys have? You say, well, I'll say the wrong thing. I'm afraid it'll hurt more than it can help. Well, let me just ask you something. Is there a hell number two? If they're already on their way to hell, where are you going to send them? I'm telling you, folks, you say, I don't know why I'm left here. We're left here to impact and reach other people. I believe if Andrew was in this service, he'd say, let me go back at that table and get some of them eggs. I believe if Philip was in that service, he'd say, let me give some of those cards. He's right. I need to invite people to church. I need to invite people to church. I, I need to, I'm just a nobody that ought to be telling everybody about somebody that can change anybody. I thank God for a Clayton Jones that kept knocking on the door saying, I want you to come down, bring Benny Boy down to church. Benny Boy needs to be in church. Why, Benny Boy was selling tequila last night, but Benny Boy needs to be in church today. Folks, I don't care what they were doing last night. They need to be in church today. No matter what church and Jesus, it's for all people. People are messed up. That's okay. Jesus can straighten things up that nobody else can. Jesus can work things out that nobody else can. I've got a buddy. I love him. He's a Georgia fan, but I love him a little bit. His name's James Merritt. Every time he sees me, he says, come here, come here, Benny boy. When's the last time, Benny, you personally led somebody to Christ? I'm not talking about in that pulpit. When's the last time, 101, Benny boy, you led somebody to Christ? And sometimes I'll have to think. Then he'll say, when's the last time you tried? When's the last time you tried? Ezekiel 3 and 19 talks about, but if you warn the wicked, and they turn not from their wickedness nor their wicked way, thou shalt die in thy iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. We're not responsible for their decision, but we're responsible for sharing Jesus. In the meantime, you know what I believe? I believe today, branch... I believe if the branch really got excited next Sunday, they'd do something that's never been done. They'd have 500 people here for Easter. And I believe if Macon really, really in the meantime would do what I'm preaching about, they'd be 400 people at Macon next Sunday. And I believe if Impact Christian Ministry would realize there's people all around there that need Jesus, there'd be 150 people at Impact next Sunday. And I believe if the Forsyth campus really, really got excited and started inviting people, they'd be 100 people at Forsyth. They'd call and say, there's 100 at Forsyth. You say, Pastor, are you into numbers? No, I'm not. And anybody that knows me knows I'm not. But here's what I know. I want to count people because people count. I want to count people because people matter. People matter to God. God.
God's not into buildings. He's not into budgets. He's not into bands. He's into his bride. He's into people. That's why he came. That's what I tell people. It's about people. Nothing other than that. It's about people. That's why Jesus died. He came for you. He came for you. He died for you. He died for me. What mattered to Jesus was people. How much did he love me? He loved me this much that he would die for everyone. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then see, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.